them the book of Proverbs. We're going to talk about raising godly children today. And uh, that sounds like an easy task, but it's not so easy. In fact, it's quite difficult. I know raising our children, uh, we thought we had everything figured out, and then we had them, and we didn't have anything figured out. And I know when our oldest, or I mean our oldest grandchild was coming into our family by adoption, my son-in-law said, JT, are you ready to have this baby? And he said, oh, I've, I've read through the first four chapters of this book, How to Raise Children. And I said, well, yeah, throw that book out the door. It's not going to do any good. You're going to have a lot of difficulties and adversities along the way, and that book's not really going to help you at all. I heard a pastor say when he was young, he preached this sermon, Ten Surefire Ways to Raise Godly Children. And then he had children. And uh, he simplified the title. He said, Five Ways to Raise Children. And then after that, he had more children, more time. And then he said, I have two suggestions in raising children. These may or may not work. And that's kind of how life is, isn't it? You do, the, you do your very best, but you don't know if it'll work. But I want to mention seven things from the book of Proverbs that will help you as young parents at least have the opportunity to uh, make an impact on your children. So if you would stand with me, I'm going to read one verse out of Proverbs 20, verse 7, and that will be our springboard, if you will, to get to the text that we're going to look at several different ways. But the righteous man walks in his integrity... And his children are blessed after him. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would just take the words that are written in your word and apply them to our hearts that we might not sin against you. And we might be the children that you want us to be and the parents that you desire us to be. So thank you, Lord, that you're always there for us. And just help us through and help us navigate these difficult times. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well... As we approach raising children, raising godly children, it's not always a simple thing. I know most of us thought we had it figured out. Sandy and I were young when we had our children. I was 20 and she was 19 when we had our first child. And uh, we didn't have any idea. Remember, we got home from the hospital after three days of being in the hospital. And I said, well, let's have a picnic. So we went out and had a picnic on a blanket in the yard. And I look back and think, how foolish were we? We had no concept what we were doing. And we just thought we were doing everything right. And I look back now and I say, thank you, Lord, that you allowed us to get them raised because we really had no clue what we were doing. But as parents, what we need to do, I'm going to give you seven quick things that might help you raise your children. The first thing is give them a good example. Give them a good example. And in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 and 9, it says these words. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And then it says, My son, hear the instructions of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother, for they will be a graceful ornament on your head and a chain about your neck. Now I want you to hear something. Your children are going to learn more from your lifestyle than they ever will from your lips. I mean, you can speak all day long, but what you do is going to speak much louder than what you say. So what we need to do is live a life before them that we would not be embarrassed by. Now you're saying, you mean, Brother John, I have to be perfect? No, you're not going to be perfect, and they're not going to be perfect, and they know that you're not perfect, okay? So what you do is live the very best you can, acknowledge the mistakes that you make, and when you mess up and you have problems in your life, those are teachable moments for 
for them. So help them realize, hey, dad, dad blew it or mom blew it. I, that wasn't what should have transpired. But tell them that so they know that you know you're not perfect because they already know that. So I realized with raising our two children, about the time I had it figured out, I was out of a job. They were raised and gone. And you're going to figure out the same thing. About the time you figure it out, they're going to be gone. Now, I realized by growing up in my home and in this community, I had been infected. Now, what do you mean I had been infected? Well, I had been infected with different terms that were not correct. How many of you use the terminology washed for washed? Come on, be honest with me. Raise your hand. Keep them. Yep, several across here. They say I use the term washed. Well, I was in preaching class and 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 uh, and Bible college, and I remember using the term washed. And my professor said, "What is washed?" And I said, "Well, you know, that's when you take the clothes and put them in the washing machine." And he said, "John, that's washed." I said, "I know that, but where I'm from, we call it washed." And everyone that I knew, except my grandma and grandpa and mother, called it washed. But I realized I had been infected, and, and we realized the same thing, that, that some of the things that we say may not be correct. Some of the things that we do may not be correct. But I, I want you to understand something. What we're interested in with our children is, is, is what's important for them in their lives. Now, I know we just won a state championship, and I am so proud that we did. And I know we have a lot of people that are still maybe coming home today or made it home late last night and unable to be here today. But I, I want to share something with you. We, we teach our children what's important to us, and sometimes we teach them that sports is the most important thing in our lives. And sometimes it's not just sports, but it's the grades that they make that we make the most important thing in their life. Or sometimes it's not the grades, and it's not the, the, the sports, but it's physical health. You have to be in physical shape, or you have to be popular, or you have to have ability. But what about teaching them character? You just say, well, what is character, John? Well, I've written down a couple of words. Contentment is character. Being content. Having courage is character. Courtesy. Open the doors for someone, especially an older person. Open the door. Hold it for them. Courtesy. Discernment. Generosity. Help those who need help. Gentleness. Honesty. Humility. Obedience. Self-control. You know, those things aren't so much taught as they are caught because your children watch you, how you respond, how you do things for others, and they see that, and then they want to live it out. So we need to be an example for our children. Give them a good, godly example. The second thing out of Proverbs chapter 4 is this. Give them unconditional love. It says in, in chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, Hear, my children, the instruction of a father. Give attention to no understanding, for I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. When I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me, he said to me, Let your heart retain my words. Keep my commands and live. It doesn't mean that we give a child everything that they want, but what you do give a child is not what they want, but what they need. You see, we recognize the fact they don't need everything because you go to the store. What do children begin doing when they get just a little bit older? You go to the store and they get handsy, don't they? They grab everything. They want everything. They see everything. And everything, I mean, we know how to market things. And because we know how to market things, they see something shiny or bright. They want it. They want it. They don't even know what it is, but they want it. 
And we need to teach them, listen, I'm not going to give you what you want. I'm going to give you what you need. And here are the things that you need. And unconditional love is one thing they need. And unconditional love is what we must give our children. Now, what I mean by that is this. We accept not all that they do, but we always accept them. Did you hear that? We don't always accept what they do, but we always accept our children. Now, what I mean is this. When they mess up and you accept them, they're going to come to you with their mess-ups. They're going to share their mess-ups with you, and then those are teachable moments when you can teach them. Kids need to know that we have affection for them, not just when they're doing great, but when they are doing poorly. We need to have that and share that affection, that unconditional love. We just don't need to build them up when they do good things, because then they'll only think they get merit for how they do, not who they are. And Luke 15, 20, they need it not just when they're children, but as they grow into teenagers. And this is the story of the prodigal son. And the father rose, or the son arose and came to his father. But when he was a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, ran, and fell on his neck and kissed him. Now, what I mean by this, guys, is this. Your children, they're young. Now, we, have, we got picked up our, three of our five grandchildren yesterday. Uh, from the airport and my daughter was walking our daughter was walking with them and and our oldest is almost 15 and then 13 and then five and guess what the the 15 year old did oh i'm too cool to run to papa now you know the 13 year old i'm too cool to run and make a big deal but what the five-year-old do with all of his energy he ran as hard as he could poppy poppy and jumped in my arms and, and listen, he needed that. The other two wanted that, but they kind of sauntered up and like, you know. So what I do, I embarrassed them. I picked them up and shook them and kissed them and made sure that they were embarrassed. Because why? They need that. They still need that unconditional love. They still need to be touched in the right way, supportively and affectionately. They need to be touched. Mom and dad, listen to me. Show your children how to touch correctly because they're going to learn to touch incorrectly everywhere else so you learn to embrace them kiss them show it with your spouse hug your spouse give your spouse a kiss let them see what true affection and love really is and we need to give them this unconditional love listen the problem is often that we don't show the right type of love. And too many kids, listen, what, when, when, when they struggle and they cry, what do we say? i oh, suck it up, buttercup. And you know what? When your kid cries, cry with them if you need to. I mean, you think about it. Remember your first love? You say it was puppy love. Yeah, but it was still love to the puppy. I mean, you know, when they hurt, you hurt. So be there for them. Show that unconditional love. And walk through them with that so it's a healthy understanding. Not only unconditional love, but get them, give them constant encouragement in chapter 3, verse 21 through 26. It says these words, My son, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, so they will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. Then you will walk safely in your way and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, when you lie down and your sleep will be sweet. 
Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor, be tr- nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. You see, Solomon is encouraging his son. He, he, he's saying, son, I'm here for you. And I will bless you with this encouragement. I will build you up. And, and, and that's what our children need. They need to be blessed by us. Not only our words, but also our deeds. And they need a heavenly father who encourages them, which we have. But they need an earthly father who encourages them, which they need. So dad, step up and don't, don't always just say, well, you know what? I'm not going to hug my children. I'm not going to show them any affection because I want them to be tough. Well, you can be tough. You can be strong, but you can still show affection. You can still give them that love that they need and give them that encouragement that they need. Uh, you know what? I'm, I have a black thumb. I don't have a green thumb. Some people have a green thumb. Everything they do just grows. You know, I had a plant in my old office when we were down by the old church, and that, that, that plant one day, I came in there, and it was just like, hmm. And I thought, well, what's wrong with that plant? It's right in the sun. I went and I, I touched the soil. You know what it was? It was just baked hard. So I went and got some water, came back, poured that water in. That afternoon when I came back from making visits, guess what that plant had done? It had stood back up. You know, just as a plant needs water, so does a child need encouragement. And as we encourage our children, they'll blossom and they'll bloom and, and they'll spread out and they'll be healthy and we can encourage them to do that very thing. So don't look to try to catch them doing, listen, doing something wrong. Try to catch your child doing something right. What's the first word a child learns? You say, it may be mama or daddy. Often it's no. Right? No. Because we say no so often... Sometimes we need to say, yes, good job. I'm proud of you. You're doing good. Now, there's a difference between praise and encouragement. Praise is this. You got all A's. I am so proud of you. But suppose your child doesn't get all A's. Or suppose they're playing on the basketball team and they didn't do so well. But they hustled. You can say to that child, listen, I know you didn't play like you wanted to play, but you gave everything that you had. That's encouragement. There's a difference between praise and encouragement. They, our kids need praise, but they also need to be encouragement. Bill Glass was an evangelist, and he went to prisons throughout the land. And uh, he would ask this one question in the male prisons. He'd say, how many of you had a father that said to you, Son, I promise you, you're going to end up in prison the way you act. And almost every prisoner raised their hand that their father had spoke that into their life. You'll probably end up in prison. And they did. Listen. Build them up, praise them, encourage them. Say kind words, compassionate words to them. Fourth, give them wise instructions. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. And Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Listen, we need to give wise counsel to our children. What we need to do is not only 
not only give them insight, but also put that with training. So you mesh the two. You tell them and then you train them. And as children grow up, in our home, what we would do, we, would, uh, we found out that these long devotionals didn't work very well in our home. So what we did, we went to the book of Proverbs. We'd pick out, there's 31 Proverbs uh, in the book of Proverbs, and there's 30 or 31 days in most months, 28 in February, and let's it's a leap year, 29. And what we would do, we'd say, okay, it's the first day of May. So we're in Proverbs chapter 1. Josh, pick out a verse. He'd pick out a verse. He would share that verse. And he, we'd say, tell us what that means to you. And then the rest of us would tell what it, we thought it meant. And you know what? That, as, as we were doing that, what we were doing was distilling wisdom. And, and, and everyone was getting the opportunity to share what they thought concerning that verse. So what you do is you give... You give uh, wisdom, and then you, give, you join it with training, and, and you help them to understand uh, what that truly means. You see, you have to be trained, and you have to seek training. Now, I've seen men. We live down in Bible, and I had a friend of mine who loved his hound dogs, and he would hunt those old blue tick hounds, and they would go, and they would tree whatever they tree. I'm not much of a hunter. But he would tree, and I'm telling you, he would train that dog. And I'm, I'm not saying he didn't train his children, but I have seen some men spend all of their time training a dog, but no time training their child. And that person that does that will tie up their dog at night and let their children run wild. What we need to do is be sure that our children are trained. Give them instructions. Help them to learn. The prime teaching institution is still the home. So we need to teach in our homes. And sadly today we have a group of children that are growing up who don't know right from wrong and all you have to do is turn the TV on to see that and the only way that they're ever going to learn that is for you to teach it. So mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, it's your responsibility to teach truth. Fifth. Chapter 6, give them reasonable restrictions. Now, the key there is reasonable because some people are not reasonable. In verses 20 through 23, it says these words, My son, keep your father's command. Do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. And when you wake, they will speak with you. Verse 23 says... For the commandment is a lamp and the law is light. Reproof of instructions are the way of life. Some things in our life need to be denied. Now, what do I mean? Well, every child needs limitations. You don't need to just say, you know, it's an open road. Do what you want to do. Live how you want to live. Just go for the gusto. Every child needs limitations to set them free. Because if you don't have limitations... They will roam and they will do all kinds of horrible things. But your child, when you set these limitations, you know what they're going to do? They're going to push against those limitations, right? You need to be in. You're in the ninth grade. You've got to be in at 9 o'clock. Our rules were very simple. You know, we didn't let them go out until a certain age. But if you're in the ninth grade, you've got to be in by 9. Tenth grade, you've got to be in by 10. And our children were most generally, almost always, in well before those times came. But... If you give, you say you've got to be in at 9 and they don't come in until 10 and you, don't, you, you kind of wink at it, guess what they're going to do? They're going to keep pushing the boundary. 
You're going to keep pushing the boundary. So what you have to do is say every time that you come in late, instead of 9 o'clock being your boundary, 8 o'clock's your boundary. You come in out, get late, 7 o'clock. You, come in, you keep coming in late, you'll not go out at all. You'll just live in your house. But you have to set those boundaries and make sure that those restrictions are fair, but make sure that they are understandable. And mom and daddy, listen to me on this. Don't worry about winning a popularity contest and you are not your child's friend. You're the parent. And as a parent, I told our children, you will have many friends coming in and out of your life, but you're only going to have two parents. And one day maybe we can be friends, but it's not now. Let them know that. Now, let me say this as well. Don't make a bunch of rules. Don't make a bunch of rules. You know we had two rules in our home? That's it. Number one, nobody gets lied to. Number two, nobody gets disrespected. Now, there's subsets of those, but those were our two rules. No one gets lied to. No one gets disrespected. And you know what? Life worked out pretty well because of that. Now, let's go to the sixth thing. We're almost done. In Proverbs chapter 18, give them a listening ear. Be willing to listen because so many parents... They don't want to listen to the children. All they want to do is tell, tell, tell. But they need someone to listen to them. In verse 13 through 15, it says these words in uh, chapter 18. He who answers a matter, before he hears it... <laughs> now, don't, don't we sometimes do that? Our child will come to us, and they're going to, give, they're going to say something, and we start giving an answer before we even hear them. It is folly and shame to him. The spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness. But who can bear a broken spirit? The heart of the prudent acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks understanding. What we need to do is realize we need to sometimes hold our tongue and listen with our ears. Because if you keep shutting them down, they will stop coming to you. So open your ears, be willing to listen. Some things need to be listened to. They will come to you, but if you shut them down, they'll stop coming to you. So listen to me, Mom and Daddy. Never be too busy to listen to your child. Always take the time. And you know what? What I have found out, when you're talking to your child, your child is this tall, you're this tall. You know what you need to do? Get down on their level where you can eyeball them. And then they are at the same level, and then you can speak with them. And the older you get, the harder it is to get up. But as you're young, you can get down pretty easily. But I still try to get down to talk to them because otherwise you're talking down to them. And none of us like to be talked down to, right? We want to be talked with. I I, I know uh, some people say, well, talk to them. No, don't talk to them. Talk with them. Big difference. Talk with them. You know when our kids would talk to us the most? When they would come in from being out. We always, we had, they had to come to our bedroom for two reasons. The eyeball test and the breath test. And they would come to our bedroom and usually our daughter was dating her husband now, which is J.T. Guffey, our, our son he would bring his two buddies, uh, little Rick Cowart and, and uh, Tanner Coleman, and they would come in and they would sit on the floor. Uh, but then they realized 
I, my kids always did, but these, everybody began to realize I'm claustrophobic. So you know what those kids would do to me? I'd be under the cover, and one would get on this side of the cover, one on this side of the cover, and I was like a mummy. But when I got loose, it was bad news. But you know what? I would always wait for our children to come in. Sandy and I would. And when they'd come in, all we wanted to do was see them and smell them. And they'd all go to bed. But you know what? They would sit there and yap. And sometimes till 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. But those were some of the best conversations we ever had. We were listening to them. They felt like they could come. And we were all disarmed. And, and it was just a good time to teach, talk, and learn. So give them a listening ear. Even when you want to go to bed... Stay up and listen. When you're tired, listen. When you're frustrated, listen. Don't shut them down. Listen to them. I didn't say you always had to agree with them. I said you always love them, but you don't always agree with them. And give them a happy environment. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 13, and we're going to be done. Verse 13 through 17. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. But by sorrow, the heart, the sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools feeds on foolishness. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he who is of a merry heart has a continual feast. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fatted calf with hatred. You need to let your home be a place of joy, let your home be a place of happiness, and let your home be a place of laughter. Three B's. Three B's, mom and dad. Remember these. Be fair, be firm, be fun. Be fair, be firm, be fun. Don't be ashamed to have a sense of humor. I remember uh, this... uh, movie came out years ago and some of you parents will probably remember this especially the old ones like like josh he'll remember this dude where's my car remember that josh dude where's my car how many of y'all remember that young folks somebody oh yeah dude where's my car and, and this guy lost his car and he couldn't find it well it was a saturday morning i'd always told my son son do not leave your keys in your car whatever you do take them with you put them in your pocket don't leave them in your car lock your doors well, it was Brotherhood, and I had to go to the store and get something before I came up here to church at 8 o'clock. Guess what I do? At 62 Dairy Freeze, I see Joshua's car. So on the way back, I thought, well, I'm going to stop in and see if he left the keys in it. Sure enough, at the console, there are the keys. So I had this brilliant idea because he and Crystal just watched this movie, Dude, Where's My Car? So I started his car, drove it home, put it in the garage. Got a cone, got a stick, made a plaque. And it put it down there where his car was. It said, dude, where's my car? (laughs) Well, I get home from Brotherhood and he and his buddies and JT come and they're just furious. He's like, dad, my car's missing. I said, well, what do you mean it's missing? Did you spend the night with Tanner? Yes, I did. But my car, I said, well, where'd you put your car? He said, I left my car at 62. I said, did you leave the keys in it? Yes. I said, well, you guys better go find it or call the cops. What do you need to do? He said, we're going to see if we can find it. So we asked all of his buddies. The car sat in my garage this whole time with the garage door down. And uh, about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, he comes back, and they're just furious. 
He said, I guess we're going to have to go to the police. None of my friends have done this. I don't know what we're going to do. I said, well, son, before you go to the police, go out in the garage and get this for me. And he came back in after seeing his car, and you talk about being hot. <laughs> but he learned a lesson. He learned a lesson. So be fun. <laughs> be <laughs> fair. And be firm. Uh, Genesis chapter 21 verse 6 says, Sarah said, God has made me laugh and all who hear will laugh with me. Listen, laugh in your home. People say, well, you know, God's stoic. No, God has an incredible sense of humor. And what we need to do is be able to laugh and say, thank you, Lord, for the gift of laughter. It does good like a medicine. I remember the winter of 1998, first time we were in our house, and, and we had an ice storm, and, and the kids were home, and power was out, and we were trying to conserve as much heat as we could, and I get a call, a death call, and I thought, well, this will be a wonderful time to teach my daughter how to drive on the ice. I said, Crystal, you want to learn how to drive on the ice? Yeah, Dad. So I take her with me, and I'm telling her all the things to do. We get to the house. We, we pray with the family, and we're on the way home after a period of time. And I said, now, we're coming toward the house. It's a downward. You know, so you start, you gear down. You, you pump your brakes. You don't push your brakes. You just pump them ever so slowly. And I said, our drive kind of like this, but tilts this way, so you have to go really slow through it. Well, we get down, and I'm talking her through this, and she's taking it, uh-huh, yep, good, that's good, that's good. And we pull in the drive, and because it's this way, we pull in really slow, and we shh right through the fence. And she hee-hawed. She thought that was the funniest thing ever. And my first response was, it's not funny. And then I realized, yes, it is, it's funny. I mean, what irony. I'm going to teach you how to drive on ice, yeah. Listen, God wants you to have a wonderful home. And he gives us three opportunities for home. You have a family home. You have a church home. And as believers, we have a heavenly home. And every single one of them should be a place of joy. Oh, I know, there's difficulties and there's tears and there's adversity and there's struggles and how am I going to pay the bills and how am I going to raise this child and this child's getting on my last nerve and I, I just want to scream and... I get it. I get it. Go outside and scream. Scream in your pillow. Hit the wall. Don't hit your child. (laughs) Listen, it's not easy being a parent. But I'm going to tell you, when they get a little bit older and you see them being successful and effective in their life and making a difference, it's worth it. It's worth it all. So listen, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, aunt and uncle, whomever you are, help raise those children to know Christ and to know what it means to have contentment. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you today for each person that's here. Thank you for those moms and dads and children and grandmothers and grandfathers and aunts and uncles and just friends that are around them. And I thank you, Father, for the precious gift of a home. And Lord, what an incredible blessing it is to have a home where love is. And I pray, Lord, that you would just touch our hearts, transform us into the people that we need to be. Help us, Father, to connect with one another, to grow and then multiply. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.